Before we dive in, I want to tell you about my brand new guide, Be Your Own Boss, How to Scale to 5K Months. So if you're an online service-based entrepreneur and you are looking to get to those 5K months and beyond, this guide is for you. We're talking all about how to niche down, craft your signature offer, get clients, and everything you need to know to get to those 5K months and beyond. So I am really excited for you to check it out. You can just head to bit.ly slash startmybiz2020, or you can just click it. It's right here in the show notes. Okay, on to the show. Welcome to The Story Behind the Journey, a podcast for online agency owners looking to build an agency that changes lives and impacts those around them. I'm Angela Master Giacomo, former public relations agency owner turned business coach for new online agency owners. And in The Story Behind the Journey, we go behind the scenes of business to discover everything it takes to create a highly impactful, highly profitable online agency. So if you are the type of girl that wants to change the world, knows you can have massive impact with your business, and you are just dying to get it in front of the right people so you can start having that serious impact and changing lives, including your own, then you are in the right place. Grab a notebook and your favorite dessert, and let's dive in to another episode. Today, I'm speaking with Sophie Thorne, a serial entrepreneur and business strategist who helps women make the shift from solopreneur to CEO so they can scale their business with ease. And she works with female entrepreneurs looking to streamline their strategy, create scalable systems, and really develop a CEO mindset. So we are going to talk all about this and more. But to give you a little bit more background on Sophie, she worked in corporate for eight years. And then after doing that for a while, presumably deciding maybe not her thing, Sophie decided to set up scale and end up building an e-commerce business. And through that, really learning what works, what doesn't. And I'm guessing this is where a lot of the strategies come in. So We are going to talk all about how Sophie built her current business, a multiple six-figure service-based business with multiple revenue streams, which I'm all about. I'm so excited to talk about that piece of it, which allowed her to, of course, travel the world, run her business from anywhere, and really have that freedom. So Sophie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. First, uh, tell me just a little bit like in your own words about your entrepreneurial journey. Like, what, What even first led you to make that leap from corporate? Mm. Well, firstly, thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, as you shared, I started my career as a strategy consultant. So I was helping FTSE 500 companies deliver multi-million dollar strategic projects across the world. And I did that for eight years. And really, it was just, I mean, it's it's an old story. You know, lots of people have a similar story. But I was working insane hours as a consultant. I was living away from home most weeks. And I kind of really felt like I was helping middle-aged white men get even richer and (laughs) asking myself as I got on yet another plane like you know it's really is this it It, you know surely there's more to life than this so you know I'm going to make it sound easy and say you know I decided to go out on my own and launch my first business of course there was um lots of twists and turns along the way which I'm very happy to share but effectively I I did wake up one day and was like no you know there is more to life than this and I, I don't want to be stuck in this corporate career forever so I launched my first business. You mentioned it earlier, the the e-commerce business. And, and honestly, I just loved being my own boss. I, I really just tasted that freedom, you know, working from home in my pajamas. It all just felt so freeing after years cooped up in a corporate career. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I actually like I love what you said about where you said, like, it, you know, I don't mean to make it sound easy, but 
It's not that it's easy, but I do think it's very, very, like it is simple. Like you do one day just decide, right. That that's like, this is what I'm doing. And then like, you just start doing it. Totally. Yeah. You can't see me, but I'm over here nodding. I completely agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to touch on that a little bit because I think people really, really overcomplicate this, right? Like they really overcomplicate it. They're like, I have to have everything perfect. This has to be perfect. You know, like I have to have the website. I have to have 10,000 followers. I have to have every single idea that I'm going to do for the next 10 years mapped out. And understandably, that gets a lot of people stuck, right? Because like you're paralyzed because you can't possibly do all of that. So what were what were kind of those early days where, where you, those first steps that you took to start to really build your own business? Yeah, totally. Um, And I will actually, you know, I'm going to share sort of the, the good and the bad, if you will. But I think, you know, of what you're saying, I think it's important to remember you don't have to have everything buttoned up and you don't have to have, you know, $10,000 worth of savings in the bank account or any of those things. There are different ways in which you can be your own boss and and start your own business. So a great example for me personally was that when I first started, I didn't have any savings. I just quit my job and walked out. And so I decided to do just a bit of temp work, um, you know, using the skills I'd learned in my corporate job. I did a bit of temporary work part-time, a couple of days a week, giving me three days a week to build my business. And bit by bit, you know, the three days a week turned into four days a week and five days a week and and then some. And so this idea that everything needs to be perfect, you need to have lots of savings, et cetera, I think really does keep people people stuck. Um, So thinking back to my early days, I'm not going to lie, it was really hard. I was very, on the outside, I think my business was doing really well. I, um, my background as a strategy consultant served me well. I knew on paper what I needed to do and I was making lots of sales and I was getting lots of PR regularly sort of hitting those five figure months. And on paper, as I said, it was kind of the stuff I'd I'd wished for and it, it should have felt like a really big win. But the truth is it didn't because the one thing I hadn't learned as a consultant and I didn't know how to do was actually how to run a business. So everything was a total mess behind the scenes. So I had kind of an endless to-do list and not much progress being made. I had, I can't even begin to tell you how many like emails I had or WhatsApps or DMs. And and I really didn't have any processes or any systems or anything in place. And so I found myself at the beginning feeling like I had to do all of the things, like I couldn't say no to anyone or indeed anything. And I also really suffered in those early stages with that that idea of like comparisonitis, you know, everyone else around me was doing better than me and I had no idea what I was doing. And so I I actually found that first year I was very overwhelmed. I was totally burnt out and and my health, both mental and physical were, were pretty low. And so I didn't really feel like I was living the entrepreneurial dream as great as it was to sort of be at home, you know, working my pajamas, everything else kind of wasn't, wasn't working that well. And it actually eventually led to a health scare where, whilst not ideal did prove to be sort of my rock bottom and more importantly I guess my wake-up call which really was you know okay if you want to actually have a life and a relationship and all the other things and have a business then something has to change and that led me to sort of look out and see what other people were doing and I realized that other people were able to do this they were able to run a business and actually have a life and, and I really wanted to crack the code so I really doubled down on on learning. I joined masterminds. I had coaches. I went to conferences. I read books. I watched TED talks. Like you name it, I did it. And I kept telling myself I'd do whatever it would 
whatever it took really to figure this thing out because I couldn't continue running my business this way. And really all this to say that that what I was doing, if you will, wrong in air quotes at the beginning was I just wasn't asking for help. I kind of really thought I could do it all by myself. And by going out there and learning from others who had done it and realizing that I didn't have to have everything buttoned up, as we were saying earlier, that it was okay to sort of fail and trip up and take small steps forwards and a few small steps back, that actually, you know, I I would be able to do this. And I I came to an important realization during that time that all of the successful entrepreneurs that maybe I admired and I wanted to be like, and I was comparing myself to, they did these things so well because First and foremost, they had the right mindset, which I'm sure we will dig into shortly. And they had a solid strategy. That bit I kind of did have. And they had systems in place so they could focus on money-making activities. And and that's effectively what I did, but it took a good 18 months. And I I transformed my mindset. I transformed the strategy. I transformed my systems. And actually, it changed my life. I went from a 90-hour work week to a 30-hour work week. I doubled my revenue. And that was four years ago now. And since then, I actually saw that first business and have committed to supporting on other entrepreneurs to effectively do the same. Um, and I've never been more confident than I am right now that we can generate consistent and sustainable income without working 24-7. And so all that all that learning that I did all those years ago really became the start of my journey to help helping others with that learning. And that's really led me to the business that I'm that I'm working on today. Oh my God. I love all of this. Like, I don't even know (laughs) where to start. It's so good. I feel so much when you're saying about completely burning out and hitting rock bottom. Mm -hmm. I honestly, it sucks because what I was about to say is I don't know many entrepreneurs that haven't experienced that, but I wish, Mm -hmm. I wish that we could stop like conditioning that that has to happen. Right. But it is unfortunately the case. And it was the case for me as well where like you said, you're trying to do all the things you're not, the not accepting help is a huge one. Right. And we feed ourselves all these excuses. And of course, because we're burning out, our mindset is not in the right place and it all just feeds into each other. And so, yeah, of course we end up stuck. We're spiraling. And like you, I mean, I found that for me asking for help and again, like find, like finding those teachers, investing myself, like those are really game changers. And we hear it all the time, but like you're here saying it, and I'm sure you've heard it a million times. I've heard it a million times of people listening, but it really is true that that switch is crucial to success. Like it just is. Um, so I, I'm curious before we dive into the systems, do you, ha- do you happen to remember like what your first, um, your first real investment was? That's such a great question. It, it, invariably it will have been I'm a big believer in mentors in in the form of podcasts and books so invariably it will be you know it would have been something like that I definitely remember very early on reading Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Workweek obviously a, an, an oldie but a goodie if you will it really <laughs> showed me that there were there were just other ways to do this um and that sort of led me on on the journey before I then sort of had the guts to be honest the courage to start actually hiring people one-to-one and you know I work with mindset coaches as well as strategy coaches I I did kind of the inner work and the outer work so I think that's why it was such a journey but I definitely I dipped my toe in slowly in the form of books and podcasts from from what I remember that's what I did too. That's <laughs> that's so funny. There, it's a great introduction, and I like. I don't know about you, but I I always say that I'm sort of uh, like a personal growth junkie. Like I love that stuff, mm. 
And I think that helps when you're already kind of in that, that mindset where you're like, I always, you know, I want to keep growing, like no matter what personally, professionally, I want to keep growing. So with that in mind, you know, you, you mentioned the importance of mindset and I completely agree. Talk to me a little bit about this idea of CEO mindset, because that is something that I was very, very unfamiliar with for a very, very long time. Like, I just didn't even know what it meant. I was like, CEO, what? Like, I'm just trying to run a business. I just, I'm just one person over here, but stepping into that was a game changer. So talk to me a little bit about what that is and what that looks like for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I really agree. I, I think often I find that as women, I work, I work predominantly with women, we, we often sort of say things like, I have to do it. You know what, it would just be best if I did it. And so we have this resistance to removing ourselves from certain activities, whether that is automating it or outsourcing. And I actually, I was on a client call just earlier today and she doesn't want to use a finance system because she wants to be able to, you know, look through her finances by herself. And I was sort of explaining, well, you you can have a finance system and also have control. So I do understand that element of control, but that element of control and, and worry, which sometimes comes from anxiety, means that it holds us back. So it's really a CEO mindset, you know, stepping into that role of CEO is really about a mindset shift, I guess. And that's what needs to happen for you to kind of move away from the idea of solopreneur or just being self-employed to being a CEO. And that's whether your business has, you know, a team or no team. It's really, it's the idea that you can say to yourself, you know what, I am being the bottleneck to my business right now. And I'm not able to help more people or do more good because I'm literally not allowing myself to step out and let other people or let systems or even let go of things and let that happen so I can do what I do really well and what I love to do on a bigger level. And that is the mindset shift. And it's very easy for me to sort of mention it like that as, as, you know, in passing, but that is really what, you know, what the starting point is. And every single one of the programs that I teach, everything that I do, whether it's with kind of newbie entrepreneurs all the way up to seven figure entrepreneurs, we start with mindset because truly the thing that is standing in your way right now is mindset. And that's not to say that there isn't strategy and systems. And we're, of course, going to talk about that. And I'm a big believer in the tactics. But the person implementing those tactics, implementing that strategy needs to have the right mindset for them to truly work, because otherwise you block yourself at every turn. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can certainly attest to this as somebody who has I mean, I've always, always struggled with this. So I I feel it very deeply. And yet I can, like, I can so tell the difference when I'm in a, like a good mindset versus when I'm slipping into old habits. And I think that's an important thing to talk about too, right? Like for a lot of people there, I don't want there to be this misconception that you, like you fix it in one day and then it's a miracle and you're done, right? Like this takes constant, we are breaking a lifetime of habits, right? And for me, one thing I've always struggled with, right, is like victim mentality. I've had to fight my like my whole entrepreneurial career against that. You learn how to do it. You gain the tools, like, you know, people you work with, right? You give them the tools to do it, but you have to actually, like you said, implement the tools and combine that with the strategy. It's the same reason that you can give two people the same exact strategy and one will succeed and one won't, and it's going to come down to their mindset, right? So it is very, very crucial. I mean, do you find that the people you work with, that that there is that, like they get better over time the more they do it, but that it does take that implementation um, versus just expecting it to one day instantly dawn on them and then everything's perfect and their mindset is right for the rest of their life? A hundred percent. And, you know, not just the people I work with, me, me too, right? So I... <laughs> 
mindset is the one thing, you know, things like strategy and stuff, I can get away with working on it on a monthly basis or even a quarterly basis or whatever it is. Same with your systems and, and those kinds of things. But when it comes to mindset every damn day, like it really does have to be constantly, constantly worked on. And it, um, you know, there's, the, you know, different levels, you know, different devils type thing. It, it really, or even different levels, same devils, right? Like you've yeah. really got to, <laughs> you've really got to continue to do that. And it reminds me yesterday, there was a, I have a, a, a closed Facebook group, a private Facebook group for one of my programs. And, and one of the girls was, was asking about timelines and, and another girl who's been in the program for a bit longer replied, you know, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to be going back to these exercises over and over and over <laughs> again. And it was like, yes, you know, that is exactly it. So I have a series of um, exercises that I, I give to my clients and I'm like, I want you doing this every every time a block comes up. Like I want you to do this regularly. Personally, I I journal every morning. There isn't a right or wrong in terms of how you approach the mindset piece, but I do think you need to chip away at it a little bit every day or a little bit every other day or whatever it is, rather than assume it's a one and done in, in any way, shape or form. I appreciate that so much. I mean, I really appreciate your candidness with it because like I said, I feel like so many people talk about mindset, but they don't, somehow there's always that missing piece where, like you just said, it is this everyday thing. And yes, it gets easier as you do it more and more, just like anything else. But I appreciate your candidness in saying like, it is something that we all work on every day because, um, because otherwise I think it's really easy to just feel like you're, you're failing all the time, but really we're all in the same spot. We're all dealing with our own stuff every day in different ways. Yeah, totally. And it's not just mindset. I mean, you know, mindset's quite all encompassing. It's even kind of, you know, confidence or imposter syndrome or all these things. When I talk about doing things every day, it's to continue to tap into why you're doing what you're doing. It's continuing to tap into, um, you know, on the bad days, if you will, remembering that actually, you know what you're doing and you can do this. It, that That's the idea of the continuous mindset work. It, it's that continual reminder to your subconscious that actually, you've got this. And, and I think we all, to a certain extent, need that additional support and, and mindset work is that additional support. So what are, what are some daily activities, even if it's just one or two, that listeners could start to try out to start to step into that CEO mindset? Like they're ready to make the shift. They want to be more empowered. What are some steps they can take right away to start to make that happen? So I think the first thing is celebrating your wins and successes. I think it's really easy to forget how far you've come and therefore sort of feel like you're failing in some way. So uh, an exercise I love is called the success journal. And and I encourage any listeners to buy a five-year journal and you you write the date. So we're recording this on, on the 4th of February. So you'd write the 4th of February and you'd write one success that happened. And then as as the success journal builds up, every time you write down one of your successes, you go back and you look at a success from the previous week or the previous month or the previous year. And you start to realize how far you've come and you really prime your brain to see effectively to see how successful you are, to see how much you've grown, how much you've learned. And it also allows you then to spot patterns when things maybe aren't going so well. You can start to spot patterns and see what they are. And I recognize that's kind of a more generic mindset piece. But I think a CEO mindset is also about stepping into your power and recognizing who you are and what you can do. And it starts by celebrating your wins and your successes. I love that. I, I really like the length of time too, that you said five years, you know, because that's, I mean, even just that is signaling to yourself, I'm in it for the long haul here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, totally. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about kind of your other strengths, which is really all about the strategy, right? We've talked about mindset, but now let's talk about strategy in your experience. What do you think is one of the, one of like the main things that people are missing when it comes to just setting up their systems, or maybe it's just that they don't even have systems in the first place. Yeah. So I think there are a couple of things on, on specifically on the strategic side of things. I think the reason that I find um, I see in clients or, or, you know, on Instagram and things that people are struggling to grow their business because they're not prioritizing the things that will get them to where they want to go. And so the mistake that I often see entrepreneurs make is thinking that like more offers or more marketing might equal more clients and more money. And the truth is that shiny new marketing tactic that you heard about on a podcast is not what's going to grow your business and neither will launching a new offer. So it's not about having more of anything. It's about what you focus on and if it's moving the needle because the businesses that are successful are not the ones that do all the things they're the ones that do a few things consistently and they do them well and that effectively is where strategy comes in so whilst it may seem quite if you will basic I really start by making sure that my clients are really clear on what I call the three W's, who your customers are, what your customers want, and where to find your customers, and more specifically, on which elements of each are actually working for you and for your business. So who are the clients who are spending the most money? Where do they come from? What are they buying from you? And this is not about guessing any of those things. It's about focusing on what's already working. And so I think that is the foundation, that strategy is the foundation to then start thinking, okay, let's put in place rinse and repeat systems that allow me to get those types of clients service it will, you know sell them whatever service they want to they want to buy from me and wow them in that you know in that customer journey if you will. And so when I talk about systems I don't necessarily mean IT if you will. I mean what I mean is processes that allow you to grow your business with ease, grow your business without you being chained to your laptop. So once you've figured out that your ideal client is, uh, you know, listens to lots of podcasts, for example, you might have a podcast strategy that you know works. So it's systems for me is about being efficient with your time so that you spend your time doing the things that you know will work in your business rather than necessary. I mean, I, I love a good automation and I love delegation and all those things. But at the beginning, when you're earlier stage in your business, it's really about figuring out what works and building systems and processes around that. And that could just be a checklist or it could be a template. It's really just about making your life easier. Yeah, I really, I really like that, especially what you said about not getting stuck in shiny object syndrome, because especially as a new entrepreneur, I think this can be really easy to fall into, right? You listen to a podcast or something, someone says, do this. And then all of a sudden, I was actually thinking this this morning with reels because I know that reels are powerful. And yet I am so, I just have done like nothing with it. And I was beating myself up about it. I was like, man, I should like really be doing better about this. And then it becomes a spiral effect, right? We're like, I should be doing more of this. I should be doing more of this. This person said to do this. And you, it's easy to get swept up in all of that instead of focusing on, okay, but what is actually like, what do I know is working in my business? And like you said, who, who is buying from me the most? What are they buying the most? And just really scaling it back. And it, it sounds like going back to basics and just focusing on the client, focusing on those couple offers and just like, that's it. Like, like really get good at that. How do you, how do you, like, what advice do you have for somebody that is very prone to that shiny object syndrome to get them to just scale back, look at what's working and really just focus in. 
Yeah. So I like to encourage my clients to do an audit. So really what you want to do is you want to maybe take the past six months or 12 months or three months, however much data you've got, right? And you you write down, you know, who the client was, you know, their defining characteristics, if you will, what you sold to them and maybe how much they paid for it and where you found them. And you kind of, as soon as you start to do an audit and you start to understand what, you know, who the customer was, where they came from and what you sold them, you suddenly, it becomes very obvious, you know, you identify your highest revenue generating service or your highest revenue generating client or your highest revenue generating marketing activity. And then you want to eliminate the ones that aren't working for you and ideally double down on the ones that are working for you before you then start to test other things. So I'm not anti-testing new you know, a new marketing tactic, you know, Reels is a great example, actually, you know, you know, um, companies like Instagram roll out new features like Reels. I'm not saying don't try these things, but you want to try them as part of a strategy. And the only way you can start to set that strategy is if you've audited your current business and you truly understand where your um, highest revenue generating clients are coming from. Yeah, that is... (laughs) (laughs) That is such an important point is that a lot of times we're doing things just to do them and there is no strategy behind them. And so Mm -hmm. you said it so perfectly, like, sure, try new things, but there has to be a strategy. It can't just be throwing spaghetti at the wall and and hoping something sticks. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, And and I think once you've started to understand, once you've done that once and it starts to work for you, it becomes easier than to critically analyze when a new shiny thing comes along, whether it's the right shiny thing, you know? So for example, if TikTok's been brilliant for your business and reels are introduced, you might say to yourself, okay, I know that reels are going to work for me because it's got similar characteristics, a very obvious example, but an example nonetheless. But the idea is to actually use your strategy, if you will, as a a filter or a lens for making decisions rather than just doing it because, oh, look, she's doing that. So I'm going to try that too. Or, you know, this business had great success using reels. So I'm going to do them too. It's about actually understanding whether it'll work for you, for your business and for your client base. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, again, like it's really just coming back to, does this work for me? Does this work for my client base? Because everybody it is not a one size fits all, right? Like we are not creating identical businesses here. And so while, yes, I believe in, you know, case like case studies, for instance, right? How did they get where they are? It should be somebody that's running a business like you want to run a business. And then you take it and you make it your own rather than just, you know, trying to always fit into, well, it worked for her. So I, even though this is really not working for me, I'm going to keep trying. Like, and yet for some reason, and, and maybe this goes back to mindset. I mean, I'm, I'm curious your take on why we do that. Why, even when things don't feel right, or they don't feel aligned, or they just don't feel good, like, why do we keep trying to make these things work instead of leaning into what you call your zone of genius? Because we're looking for a silver bullet. We're looking for the answer that's going to give us what we want. And, and that, you know, that's why marketing works so well, you know, whether it's the, you know, a detox tea that claims that, it's, you know, you'll lose weight or, you know, a business coach that tells you that they can, you know, quadruple your income, you, you get sort of sucked in by by what you deem to be the, the final result and, and a new marketing tactic can look like that. I think it's really important to remember and, and you know, it's probably my one biggest piece of advice to, to entrepreneurs, regardless of where you are in your journey, 
There is no right or wrong way to build and scale a business, but there is a right or wrong way for you. And by you, I mean your business, your customer base, as we've just said. So all of these shiny tactics that we hear about, they all work, you know, most of them. I I can't say all of them, but, you know, most of the things that we hear about do genuinely work and they have worked for someone else's business. But as you've literally just said, does that business look like your business? Does it feel aligned to you? You know, there are some interesting sales techniques out there. Not everyone's that comfortable with selling and you may not want to do it in a kind of sleazy, salesy way. That is okay. That doesn't mean that you can't grow your business. So it is, It you know, I think we are all looking for a silver bullet. There isn't a silver bullet. And we really have to kind of make sure that as we're analyzing these various tactics or strategies we find one that is aligned for us and for our business and that we we know or we we learn to know whether it is right for our clients that is such such great advice i hope that everybody really really takes that to heart because i i don't know about you but that was one that took me a very very long time to learn i it took me a really long time to learn that i could put my own spin on things and try new things and make things my own and sort of um, cherry pick what was working for me for my clients Versus having to follow, you know, just because this one thing that this person taught worked for me doesn't mean everything is going to work for me. And that's okay. It just means that I have to shift and change and, and figure out my own way of doing things. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts when it when it comes to all of that, when it comes to really finding your zone of genius and, and what is going to work for you and your clients. What advice do you have for figuring that out? Because that's I know that's something that really evades a lot of new entrepreneurs. They get really, really stuck on that one for a very long time, and it keeps them really stuck. Yeah, no, I really agree. And I think that partly it happens to earlier entrepreneurs because they're more susceptible to lack of confidence. You know, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm just going to look at what she's doing and uncopy what she's doing. And, and you're absolutely right. I think that's where your zone of genius comes in. So. A zone of genius is really that moment where you're really in the zone when you're doing a certain activity. So it's that kind of magic combination of challenge, ease, and excitement that produces the kind of performance, I guess, that you want to repeat again and again. And really what's important to remember is the amount of time and energy you focus in your zone of genius will determine how successful you are in your business. So it's important that you find your zone of genius as as early as possible in your entrepreneurial journey. And that more importantly, you operate in it by maybe eliminating or automating or delegating anything that sits outside of it. And so what we really want to think about is You want to think about what got you here. And if you're in the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, it could be just like what got you here in life. You know, what are the strengths that have gotten you this far in life? Or indeed, if you're a little later in your business journey, what are the strengths that have gotten you this far in your business? And, you know, you'll you'll probably see a bit of a theme here. It's about doubling down on what's working well and saying no to everything that isn't in your highest strength. So some questions that I really like um, to ask my clients at this stage are things like, what do you love to do the most? So you love it so much, you could do it for long stretches of time without getting tired or bored or distracted. Um, Or you might ask yourself, what work do I do that doesn't really seem like work? Another great question is, I'm at my best when I'm doing, you know, and an a list of tasks. And then, of course, the opposite questions can be helpful because sometimes we don't know what, you know, it can be hard to know what we're good at or what we like, but it's easier to ask what we, you know, to ask ourselves what we don't like. So maybe what do you dislike the most? What do you find difficult? Or you might ask yourself, I'm struggling when I'm doing X, Y, and Z. 
And so I really want listeners to kind of work through that in their, that sort of checklist in their head and, and answer those questions. And then take a second and think about this past week, for example, how much time did you spend operating in your zone of genius? And this is not about judging yourself or berating yourself for not spending all of your time in your zone of genius. It's about cultivating awareness and understanding what are the things that you love to do? What are the things that you're good at? And what are the things that you hate and not good at? And how can we create a business that you really love? You know, I want more than anything else in the world for anyone to be running a business to love every minute of their day, for work not to seem like work, for them to be satisfied and abundant and providing huge value, not just to their clients and to their business, but also to themselves. And so I think that is why the zone of genius is so important, because it is really, really important that we build a business that comes easily to us, if you will, and that is in alignment. I'm not saying having a business is is easy. We've already covered that to a certain extent. It it isn't easy, but you want to make it easier on yourself. And if you're constantly doing the things that other people are doing because they told you that you should do it, rather than looking at what you're good at and what aligns for you and for your business, you're constantly going to feel like you're pushing treacle up a hill. and, And that's just not a fun way to live life. And it's certainly not a fun way to build a business. That is such a great, I mean, all of these tips are so, so good and I appreciate them so much. I especially really like that last one about evaluating how much time you spent in your, your zone of genius in the last week, uh, because as especially new business owners, right? It's very easy. You get lost in all of the busy work, which is not really, it's just, it's keeping you busy. Maybe it's making you feel like you're doing something, but it's not actually moving the needle. It's not actually pushing you forward at all. And usually that is stuff that, like you said, is not in our zone of genius. It's just busy work. And so I think taking the time to really evaluate that and go, okay, what did I really spend my time on? And you know, how did I actually feel about it? Because like you said, building a business it's not easy. And if if we're not careful, we end up building a business that we don't even really like. And at that point, I mean, you might as well just be in a corporate job because at least then you, you know what to expect, right? So I think having these little checkpoints along the way is really important. And what I'm really getting out of you know everything we've been talking about is, is really this permission for listeners to do do things their own way, right? To like, yes, like have mentors. Like I I believe so much in mentors and coaches and teachers and soaking up all the knowledge. But at the end of the day, you take that and and you have to listen to yourself and you have to listen to the your clients and, and what is, you know, what is aligned, what is working and just give yourself that permission to experiment and do things in a way that feels good to you and stop just trying to make things fit that that don't fit. And I just, I love that, that you've just been basically giving them permission because I think a lot of times we need that. Like we really just need somebody to be like, it's okay to do things that way. And it's still going to be fine. And you're, you can still have a successful business and it, it doesn't mean you suck. Like it actually means you're probably onto something amazing. Totally, totally. And it, it, you know, I, you know, like you, obviously, you know, I, I am, I am a coach that, you know, I really believe in, in mentors and coaches and all of these things. But I always say to my clients, take what I'm saying as a guideline, you know, that there's a, it's a starting point. It's a jumping off point for you. You take one of my strategies that has worked well for me and we test it for you and we sort of break it apart and we make it work for your business. Even in sort of my group programs or even my DIY programs, you know, I say that throughout, like take this and make it personal to you. I think the other thing that came up as, as you were saying, that was also about making the time, you know, things will never slow down. You actually, 
actually have to stop and make them slow down. As an entrepreneur, there's always going to be one more thing that you could try or one more thing that you could do. And therefore, as a result, the opportunity and the possibility to work more. So you really have to have the self-awareness to pause, to take stock, to check in. Is this the right thing for you? And establish your own boundaries or your own framework or your own rules so that you can take your business to the next level because you won't take your business to the next level if you're either running around like a mad woman trying to implement everything that everything everyone else is saying or indeed running around implementing these things that don't feel aligned and so you're constantly feeling really really torn Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like you are just speaking my language here. Yeah, exactly. If we're just constantly running around again, it's falling into that, that busy work really of just go, 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 but not taking the time. And I mean, what you said about boundaries resonates as well, because I know that you like me have kind of struggled with, you know, people pleasing. And I think that's kind of innate to be honest in, in most women anyway, where we are just so fixated on making sure everyone else around us. I mean, it, this goes back to what you said at the beginning, right? Like, oh, well, I'll just do it myself. Or, you know, there's this mix of just always wanting to make sure other people are happy, things are taken care of. And so, of course, when you're building your business, there needs to be a lot of time and focus on that. and it it requires us honestly to embrace just being selfish in the best way, taking care of ourselves and our business. And I think that's a struggle for a lot of people and to say no, um, or to have those hard conversations with the people around us. And so what, what are some, some tips you'd, um, for people that maybe do struggle with that, that do struggle with people pleasing and setting boundaries? So my biggest tip is not to rely on willpower um, because in the moment when someone asks you to do something or something comes up, it's very easy if you're a people pleaser to just say yes. And I'm I'm right there. I no longer rely on my willpower. I rely on systems, frameworks, et cetera, that, that allow me to say no or turn something down. So what does that look like? For me, for example, I'm mentioned earlier, I work a 30-hour week and I'm really, really um, strict about it. So what that means is my diary is, I, I don't start work until 10 and I finish work at 4.30 and my diary reflects that. So up until 10 a.m. in the morning, I have stuff in my diary. And after 4.30, I have things in my diary. And when I say stuff, you know, today I'm going to be doing yoga at 4.30. It's not necessarily, you know, some I'm going off somewhere, but it's it's a promise that I've made to myself that means that if someone asks for a meeting at 4.30, I, I, or I'm lucky enough now to have an assistant who does this for me, you know, can say like, no, you know, she can't do 4.30. She's, you know, she's somewhere else. Um, and that really helps because I think in the same way, if you don't want to eat chocolate, you don't want to have a ton of chocolate around, around your house. Relying on willpower can be quite difficult for, for people pleasers. So I really have tried to create certain frameworks that, that enable me to say no. And, one of the frameworks we've, we've of course sort of discussed a little bit is, is a strategy or, and that can be a personal strategy. And what's my, why, what are the things that are going to help me to get to where I want to go? So I'm, I plan out my year in such a way that I can become very, very clear on the things that don't help me to where I want to get to where I want to go. And that does make it a little bit easier. Certainly for me, it's made it a little bit easier to be able to say no. It's made it a little bit easier for me to push back on people because I'm very clear on what I want and need. And I think if you lack that clarity, 
then and you lack the the systems and structure you know for example with your diary it's very easy to be like oh you know 5 p.m oh yeah sure I you know I can do that call with you you know I'm not doing something else and before you know it you know some friend is getting free advice from you about marketing for two hours when actually you kind of wanted to watch Netflix or you had a bit of work to do or whatever it might be so it's you need to get really really clear on why you're doing what you're doing what your framework is what your guidelines are and you use that um as a basis for pushing back and saying no and and all of that and it's also remembering that you don't have to give reasons and I know that is very difficult at the beginning but it is okay to to just push back and say that doesn't suit me or I'm so sorry I'm not going to be able to make that or whatever that we don't need a reason for everything but it really does start with that clarity I'm curious as to kind of things that have helped you actually because I'm, I'm always trying to learn in this area because I'm certainly not perfect oh I I love what you're saying I mean it speaks to me so much I mean I first of all I love that you even have a framework for your life like that is just so perfect um as for yeah no I mean the the last the last part that you mentioned is actually one of the key things that and it's funny because my fiance is an entrepreneur as well and he really struggles with that last one about you know giving reasons why and excuses and that has been one of the things that always really helped me as well is learning to not do that because I think it is the inclination to say oh well I can't because um and sometimes like you would like I don't know about you but I would find myself like literally just stretching the truth or making things up because I felt like I had to have a reason why I couldn't accommodate them when the reality was I just like didn't want to yeah. <laughs> um, so that that was a really big one for me and I, I think the reason it helped is because it's sort of a more in a way, it's a more aggressive way of handling it, like personally, not aggressive outwardly, but it's more aggressive in the sense that it's forcing you to really kind of confront your fear. And for me, anything that has ever forced me to really confront my anxiety, like super head on in in, in like a very aggressive way rather than easing into it has always been a help in expediting that. So just even replying to an email and being like, sorry, that time doesn't work. um, Mm -hmm. And then suggesting something that does work for you or, you know, even calls, like I, a lot of times I would have potential clients. This was before I did coaching. This is when I was just running my um, public relations agency and they would want to get on a call on like a Sunday. And I would just be like, no, <laughs> like, I don't do that. And yeah. so that I think really helped um, a lot because it, I think it personally helps you. It, it sends a message to you personally that these are the boundaries you're setting. Um, and I think the other thing that has really helped me uh, with my boundaries is just, like you said, just sort of sticking to them, which sounds really simple, but you know, it's not like you said about the yoga, right? Like I do the same thing for me for exercise. Like every day at two o'clock is when I exercise. Um, and so nothing is happening at that time. And I think just literally showing up and also doing that, whether it is something productive or whether it's just watching Netflix, learning to let go of the guilt is a, is another big part of it. Um, and just sort of embracing like, this is just, you know, do I want to spend my whole life feeling guilty about who I am or do I just want to be happy? You know, <laughs> that's, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's a big, a big part of it too, but I, yeah, I love your, I love that advice. That's so, Definitely. so good. I think you, you send a message to yourself, right? Like I am the kind of person that has boundaries. I'm the kind of person that works out at 2 PM every day. And that, that itself makes it easier the next time to say no. And actually a little bit, you know, your Sunday thing is the same thing as my, my, my structures, if you will, I am not the kind of person that works on a Sunday. So you could, you know, that it's always going to be a no if someone asks you for a call on a Sunday. And that kind of gives you, um, yeah, it just gives you a framework that helps you to, um, 
helps you decide what you what you should be doing. The other thing I wanted to add that came up whilst you were talking was like blanket rules. Um, so a good example might be podcast interviews. You know, I don't do podcast interviews. And so then the reason is, you know, if you're someone who doesn't do podcast interviews, if anyone asks you for a podcast interview, you can say, thank you so much. I'm so flattered, but I actually never do podcast interviews. So I wouldn't be able to do that one. And so it doesn't matter if it's your best friend or your mom or whatever, you've got this kind of blanket rule that you can use for everyone. And I do think that makes it a little bit easier too. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that also speaks a little bit to your point of where you're saying, know what you just like, know what, what you're doing, why you're doing it. Because as you were saying that it reminded me the other day, somebody asked me to do a guest blog and I was very flattered. And and it's the type of thing that a couple of years ago I would have done, but I I said, you know, who is your audience? Um, And it wasn't, it wasn't the people I was trying to reach. And so, because I was very clear in like what, you know, I have limited time. What what is actually going to move my business forward? If this isn't it, like it's okay to say no. You know, you can be gracious. You can you can be gracious and still say no to things that don't move you forward. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just gives you more energy to show up for the people that 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 you really can help. Because how am I going to even help somebody that's not my audience? You know, like realistically, my energy is spent better on the people that I can speak directly to or on just myself. You know. Um, and so I think learning to view that instead of I'm letting these people down or I'm, I'm letting this person down and instead actually it's giving me more energy for these people that I can really help. I mean, I think that that is kind of a shift that has helped as well. Totally. Yeah, totally. And that's it. it, it that's what I mean about having a filter. It's like, you know, you asked yourself in that moment, will this help me you know, and my business to get to where it wants, you know, where I want it to go? No, because that's not your target market. So thank you so much. I'm flattered, but no, thank you. And and we really, that's why, you know, I, I talk a lot about strategy, but that's why the strategy is so important because it just creates this filter over everything you do, this lens that allows you to know whether you should be doing something or not doing something. Yeah. And we don't, we don't have to feel bad about it. Like just don't, I think just learning to not feel guilty, to not dwell. Right. Cause that's something else I used to do. I don't know if you used to do it. I would say no. And then I would spend literally like the rest of the day feeling bad about it. And maybe into the next day before I would let it go. And it's like, we don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, you can just Absolutely. move on with your life. Yeah, <laughs> And it all comes down to actually the same thing that's kind of thread that's woven through our entire conversation about building a life and a business that you love. And that includes not doing things you don't want to do. It it sounds a bit basic, but you know, life's too short. And so, you know, you've got to be able to just say no and, and, and walk away and let go. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Sophie, I have loved talking to you so much. I can't even tell you like normally, I mean, even as I was listening, I was like, oh my God, this quote is so good. This quote is so good. Like, I don't even know. Like it's everything you were saying is just absolute gold. And I really don't say that lightly, but you are just a wealth of of knowledge. And I, even I feel like I'm walking away with new inspiration and like new excitement on how to approach things. So I can only imagine what the listeners are going to feel. And I can't wait to get it out there. Um, so first and foremost, thank you so much for coming on and being so generous for everything you're sharing, like those action items. You know, I love step-by-step. I'm very much a concrete, like, you know, action oriented, like give me the actual steps and you really delivered that. So I really appreciate that. I know the listeners are going to really appreciate that. Um, what is one more resource that you would like to recommend to people? Well, firstly, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you. Um, I would love to sort of plug my own resources actually, if I, if I may. So I've oh, got go a, for it. Uh, 
I've got a, a resources page on my website and I've got some free trainings on there. I've got a couple of like cheat sheets, all, you know, step-by-step guides. I've got a couple of workbooks there. And in fact, actually the workbook has that order exercise we talked about earlier. It's got a variation of that that helps you to figure out who your best customers are, where they're coming from, et cetera. So I would love for any listeners who who resonated with that and would like to kind of go through some of the exercises today to go check out, check out that. Um, and yeah, that that's it. All right, perfect. I will put all of this in the show notes, but where can listeners find you and that guide? So my website is sophiethorn with an e.co.uk. And otherwise I hang out the most on Instagram. So I'm at Mrs. Sophie Thorne and I really happily answer any questions about anything we've spoken about today. So if anyone has any questions, then find me and hit me up and I will ha- I will happily help. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much, Sophie, for being on here. You, Like I said, you are a wealth of knowledge and I really appreciate it. So thank you again. Thank you. I am so excited that you finished another episode of the story behind the journey, but I would love to keep hanging out. So if Instagram is your jam, then feel free to head on over to at Angela underscore Mastro and let's connect over there. Or if you want more episodes or to find out how we can work together, including my six month coaching container that gives you a literal roadmap on how to start and scale your business to five figure months, then head over to AngelaMastroGiacomo.com and find out more. All right, I'll talk to you next week. Bye.